Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Liberty Talk FM. On call. Today I'd like to speak about the, again, we're having issues with the state of health care. Um, there are a lot of uh, articles coming out about why Americans are avoiding doctors, the cost of health care, um, the fact that the consolidation of hospitals are, has actually caused prices to rise. And this is not going away and it's not getting better. Even though the mandate's gone, which is I believe a good thing. Nothing is being done in the insurance side of the healthcare market to fix the problem. And as it continues to go down this road, it's affecting the, the cost of delivery and the type of healthcare that's delivered. And I mean, everybody is feeling this at this point. If you've had any access to a physician whose office is owned by the hospital, it's sticker shock. I have a friend who just went to the hospital, got out, went to see um, her PMD, private medical doctor, and the cost was about $500 for a regular office visit. I mean, we're not talking major workup, major blood workup, EKGs, anything, just the visit. And had that been an independent doctor, the cost would have been about half of that on average. And if you were in a direct primary care practice, it would have been free because you would have been paying a monthly membership. So this is now, I think, we reached a critical point where if you don't start taking control of your health, you're going to be out of luck or you're really going to be denying yourself care. I mean, imagine this article from MarketWatch says people from 45 to age 59 are literally skipping health care. They didn't go to the doctor last year, even though they were almost 50% didn't go, even though they had an injury. They skipped medical tests for treatment. 43% didn't go to the doctor. 40% went without a routine physical or preventative health care. And 30% didn't fill a prescription or took less than the prescribed dose in order to save money. So for those who are proponents of Medicare for All and, and health care for All, I think we learned last week that it's not the panacea because you end up having the same problem, but now everybody's in the same boat as opposed to having choice, where if you choose and you can choose to, to opt for a different pathway, you're not going to be stuck in the same boat as these folks who are literally self-sacrificing because they need to do other things with their money, whether that's pay their mortgage, pay their child's school bills, pay their lights and gas. I mean, this is not, for those, it's not a right. It's actually a luxury now to have health care. And it's because of all these people who don't know anything about healthcare inserting themselves into a system. I mean, there's, I don't know if you read the state, but there was an article about one of the architects of Obamacare now having buyer's remorse about how he didn't think that it was going to you know, turn out this way, where consolidation was supposed to be about innovation and streamlining and more efficiency, and it turned out to be the opposite, where it's just more cost. And it's really funny. It's become more slick in terms of health information technology, artificial intelligence, um, you know, IT ruling. But it's not better. It's just more expensive, and people still aren't getting the care that they need. And what they're getting is questionable a lot of the time. And it's become a, especially in the hospital system, a self-referral bonanza. If you're a doctor, you can't refer those patients to a private entity or a private facility that's cheaper. You have to use the hospital-organized or based system. So you can't send out for a radiology test or a lab test to a facility that's cheaper because it's not allowed. In the real world, you know, they have something called the Stark Law where doctors can't self-refer because it's illegal. So if you own a practice and you have the ability to have a CT scan or do lab work within your practice because it's efficient. You can cut the cost. You can get the patient in immediately. 
that's frowned upon. That's a self-referral. But it's the opposite with hospitals. They can self-refer, but it's actually more expensive. I mean, this doesn't make sense at all. I mean, what do you, what's your opinion on it, Dave? I'm sorry, Dr. George, what? What's your opinion on uh, the fact that it's the opposite now? Oh, going I, to a hospital I, is I, actually more expensive than it was than it used to be. I think it's... Uh, a realize, realization test, and for those fortunate enough not to have to go to the hospital, they're living in La La Land, and uh, the only only semi-wake-up call is when a friend or relative goes and gets out and says, oh my God, look at what happened to me. Um, otherwise, uh, you know, there are a lot of people walking around with their head buried in the sand. Their head buried in the sand, and, and this mindset of this, someone else needs to pay for it, and if the government handles it, it's going to be awesome. I just don't see any government-run, you know, a program that works well. The VA is messed up. You know, those poor um, veterans are still having issues with access and the care that they're getting. Do you have Medicare, which is going bankrupt? very few or a limited number of private physicians who actually can take it, and they're still ending up in hospital-based systems. If they can get an appointment, good luck getting a specialist, and that's not gotten better. Uh, we have Medicaid, where, which, was, which was Obamacare technically, where, again, access is, is really critical, very little... Uh, it, you know, ability to see a specialist in a timely manner. And you're still in a clinic system where you're going to end up in a hospital-based system. And it's not better. I mean, all the things that the government are running, now we have, I've been following the tweets from the president, but the Amazon uh, monopoly that they have in our, in our um, postal service, where they're paying a fraction for every package delivered, and then the onus is on the rest of us to cover the cost. I don't know about you, but during the Christmas holiday, we were getting our mail at 11 at night, sometimes the next day, because they were delivering Amazon packages preferentially, which really doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So you have this public-private partnership in, that's, that's pervading our system, our, our country, essentially. It's not better for the folks, for the average folk. It's about paying more, getting less, and that's the same thing that's happened in the healthcare system. And having Wall Street get involved with their startups and the IT industry running, trying to run the show with artificial intelligence and setting up algorithms and the big pharma, I mean, it's just outsourced to the very people, the very parties that are causing it to cost so much. And why is anybody asking themselves, do they expect this to be any different? I've only been talking about this for, I don't know, two or three years. I knew this was coming. Actually, longer than that, I knew it. And it's now unfolding in a way that, I, you know, the average person, I, God forbid you get sick. But it's a real eye-opening experience if you do. Oh, yeah. Now, no question. In terms of the hospital, just getting admitted is another, another situation. I mean, there's... Another article that came out about the rural hospitals closing and the fact that the hospital systems had taken over delivery of care from rural areas and people had to travel. And we talked about this before on the show, but it's hundreds of rural hospitals have closed across the country and they don't have any, any catchment for them. And I think that's one of the reasons telemedicine has become such a, uh, a, a big part of the healthcare delivery system. I certainly understand if you have a rural hospital and you don't have a specialist having a telemedicine. I get that. That makes sense to me. But to have telemedicine become primary care because you don't have a place for someone to go for routine checkup is unacceptable. That means those folks are getting less, I think, a, a different standard, a different tier of healthcare delivery than someone living in the city. And if this is all about the folks who are proponents of saying apparel, always about equality and access for all, they don't seem to speak up about this at all. 
the Obamacare, uh, the advent of Obamacare literally caused or, or accelerated this movement towards hospital-based systems, centralization, uh, specialization. You know, here in Atlanta, we have different hospitals that do different things. So you have an ortho section of hospital that handle that or cardiac, cardiac children's health care. You know, there's not really, a, it's moving less and less away from a, a general hospital. So you have everybody size their little fiefdom, and you're kind of stuck with nowhere else to go because it's, the tentacles are everywhere. We're talking one of the major hospital systems having 200 locations in the city. So it really does become a little challenging to find a physician who is not affiliated or has not sold their practice to uh, a, a hospital system. And going from a couple of hundred dollars to five hundred dollars for an office visit is pretty prohibitive for most people, especially when it's just routine. And there's nobody sitting on this, nobody looking at the cost and the charge master saying anything. You wonder about the seniors, exactly where they're going to end up in all of this. And if they don't have Medicare Advantage, they would have a secondary insurance, or I should say a commercial insurance as an umbrella over their, their insurance. I mean, if you have Medicare and you have Blue Cross Blue Shield, Medicare Advantage, or Humana, whatever it is, you still have more access than someone who has Medicare without that because the doctor can actually see you based on the commercial insurance side of it. It's being pretty much managed by the commercial insurance, so that gives you better access if the doctor or the hospital takes, um, I should say doctor or hospital if you take Medicare. But if the doctor takes Blue Cross or United or Aetna or whatever, then you actually can see the physician even though they don't take Medicare. And that's really the only saving grace for the folks who have Medicare at this point and want to get seen in a timely fashion and or keep a doctor that they want. I mean, this is just a system that is definitely going down the wrong path. On that note, let's take a break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. Another thing that this Market Watch article talks about is the lack of health cost transparency. And the, the previous over and over again, where over 50% of Americans say they've received a medical bill in the past year that they thought was paid, was going to be paid for by insurance, um, but actually it was their responsibility. And it was higher than what they expected it to be. You know, my recommendation is if you're, God forbid you're in a hospital, you can't really do that there. But if you go into the doctor's office, you really need to buckle down and ask the physician or whoever's taking care of you what the cost of the visit is. There's no reason to go and do a, go into a situation where you don't know what the cost is. If they can't tell you what the office visit's going to be, if they can't look up on the computer using your insurance and tell you what the allowed amount is and what your responsibility is, then you really should leave that office. I mean, we do that in our office all the time not only for the patient, but for us. If we're on the same position as physician, you can do a procedure and then check with the insurance and find out that it's not covered or that it was the patient responsibility, which you didn't collect at the time of service, and then your, your ability to collect that drops dramatically if you don't get it at the time of service. And it's respect from both ends. I think patients sometimes have the feeling that insurance does everything and that's all they need to pay, and that, that, that's what's fair. <laughs> and that's not exactly real-world thinking either. And there's physicians who outsource their um, collections and their day-to-day -day collections to a third party. So they don't bill it themselves. They put the code in, and then they walk out the office, and it's just done automatically for them. That's, both, both parties end up behind the eight ball because of that system. I think... Well, I know all insurance companies have a, have a fee scale. You should ask your physician if they know what the allowed amount is for the offices, for the procedure, etc. And before you have anything done, they should be able to present you with the estimate of benefits. 
and what the patient allowed amount is. That's very simple to do. It, it takes pre-planning on the doctor's office side because you have to know, you know, who's coming into your office that day, and someone will have to look at the the insurance plans before and go online and maybe call. All those things need to be done before you get in the office. I think those efficiencies are lost in a huge system because somebody else is doing it. It's a, it's a catch-all. There's thousands of claims coming through per week to these calls, these catch-all call center kind of situations. And that's the person's job is just to do it, just to, to do the claim. They don't have a personal relationship with the doctor. They don't have a personal relationship with the patient. They don't speak to either one. And it ends up being a mess down the road. I think there's another reason why the efficiency in the big hospital-based systems are just not there. Not only do they not know what the cost is, then you add in the, we talked about this, the added facility fee charges, which are completely made up. I think the hospitals just make up what a facility fee is going to be, and they can because they decide what the value of using their equipment is. Meanwhile, it's probably already paid for, and you know it's paid for if they bought a doctor's office, and they had the EKG equipment, and they had all the equipment they had in the office already. It's already paid for. But they're charging you for the use of the equipment every time you go, every time it's used. That's like double billing, really, if you really think about it. I can understand you charging for a... Um, an interpretation that makes sense to me. So whoever's reading the EKG, who's ever um, doing the actual, my um, uh, like technician fee for doing the procedure or assisting, that makes sense to me. But you can't bill for the use of the equipment. That's just ridiculous. So you end up having all these fees that are not patient related that just get added in, and then you're never told until you get the bill. So anyway, anybody at this day and age who walks into any place that they can, and they're conscious, and they're not in an emergency situation, and they're told, we can't tell you until we do the service, you're really playing Russian roulette with your pocketbook, <laughs> and I would not do that. And if people would actually ask questions, I think that would also change the game. Um, you know, the greasy, was it the greasy word, whatever the, the term is for that, or the Whoever makes some sort of friction basically can, can uh, get more out of the system. And they expect you to just be compliant and just say, okay, or, you know, that's just crazy. Especially knowing that you can get faster, better, uh, cheaper services if you go outside of a system that is free market-based, that is independently owned. I don't care what it is. Anywherelabs.com is a place across the country, a system that lists their, their prices for their uh, laboratories uh, services online, whether it's a white count or getting your, your cholesterol checked. And then we're talking $20, $30 for things versus hundreds. Or, again, they own the equipment. You know they own the, the actual machines to run these labs, but they're charging you for the machine or the technician, technical services, or the order, or everything that's going into charging you for this uh, this one cheap lab test, which is pennies, really, is just a complete ridiculous system. I don't see anybody in Congress asking these questions. And if they ask a physician, they would know. Uh, you know, unfortunately, they never ask us. But if the Congress is not going to be on your side as a patient, then you have to be on your own side. It's not hard anymore. There's so many resources, cash pay patients, cash pay sites, um, GigHealth.com, which is a website for pharmaceuticals, um, GoodRx, for example. They actually give a cash price for any medication, and now they're doing brand name as well as generics. If you go on, type in your prescription, the price pops up. We're talking... 70, 80% off of a medication that your insurance company is not giving you. Because that system, again, we talked about, has a whole price structure, a whole cushion of, men, of charges that everybody's taking a piece off and it's it up to get more of a payout. It's complete, 
It's like a piggy bank. If you stop using that system and they have to compete, they have to change their business model, then they will do so. But as long as you keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result, this is what we're getting, and it's not going to get better. And I don't care if they do, or God forbid, they ever get to single payer in our country, it won't make a difference. Because it's built in, it's not like Canada. It's not like the UK. You have a public-private partnership. You have uh, administrators that are built into the system. On the insurance side, the hospital side, big pharma, Wall Street, they're all built into the system. The only thing you're going to have is the ability to not have a choice because all they want, and they've said this, is to get rid of the competition. They don't want to have a brick-and-mortar, freestanding, independent facility next to them, anywhere near them, actually, because they only want to be the, they want to be the only game in town, so you have nowhere else to go, and you're, you're stuck. You're trapped. That's what they want. And they've done a bang-up job so far of using the, the power of the government to do so. It's, we've gone from 60% of independent doctors down to 30. It wasn't by accident. The insurance companies ratcheted down the reimbursements to such a low degree and made it so hard to, to do business that if you didn't leave it completely, then you were really clamoring for someone to help you. And the hospitals were right there to buy your practice, to make it easy, to give it an administrative uh, hassles, just see patients. Now we're in a position where doctors are seeing patients 15 minutes. That's a long visit, quite frankly. 7 to 15 minutes per visit. And get them in, get them out. As we talked a minute ago, refer to the in-house facilities. Have no control over the the financial aspect of your practice. Some patients do come in and they can't afford whatever. You can't write it off. You can't give them a, a payment um, arrangement. They have to go to the hospital and beg for any of those things. It's a system that's completely not patient-centered, not patient-focused, not doctor-focused. It's all about the money. And I know we're going to take a break in a minute, but this system cannot last. It is not designed to last. It's designed to actually break so that they can make it work. They can make it more centralized with more control centrally from the top down. Not from the patient up, but from the top down. And in the mindset or the guise of, of making it more efficient, making it cheaper, none of this stuff, again, I will just hammer it home, none of it has made it cheaper. Having doctors with computer systems in their office is supposed to help us communicate with each other. It doesn't happen. I still see patients who I don't know why they're being referred. The patient has to tell me. They don't know what medications they're on. I can't look it up in the computer. There's no, you know, real efficiency where there's real communication. It's all third party. And it's only as good as the health information technology system that you're using is. And that's really, really a problem. On that note, let's take a break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call. And I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today.
welcome back to Medicine on Call. Um, you know, like I said, the pendulum is swinging to such a degree in such a bad direction that we're now in a position where if we keep going this way, the system is going to give. It's already doing that. But we're also seeing doctors try, moving towards standing up for their own rights. There are doctor groups, one that... Um, Do you have a problem with the feeling of something sorry, stuck in your throat? Throat tightness, uh, bad breath, a chronic doctors. cough, or frequent throat clearing? Maybe you have acid reflux, which is a common problem. Or maybe you have persistent ear pain, ear attack, and you don't have ear infections. Perhaps it's because you grind your teeth at night. Sometimes the symptoms don't seem to be connected to an underlying problem. Sometimes the answer to a nagging symptom that doesn't go away or respond to treatments can be found by having your doctor give you the time to explain exactly what's going on. I'm sorry, I, I think I brushed by and hit something as I was checking something else out. I'm sorry, a commercial was running. At least it was your commercial. At least. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, what I was talking about was there are doctors who are now fighting the hospital because they are unhappy with the way that the, the amount of the, the restriction has come online. Everything was a carrot initially. You're going to get paid a decent amount of money. You're going to have the hospital take care of your, um, your administrative needs. And in return, you would see patients unencumbered, be able to share call with other physicians and not have to take calls as often. Um, basically, get a relief and not have to worry about the bottom line. So you can just see your patients and not have to worry about taking care of an office. Well, that's all come to an end, really. And years ago, um, Dr. Williams came on my show and said that she predicted that at some point, every reimbursement that, that a hospital-based doctor was going to get was going to drop. They were going to work harder for their money, and it was going to be a disaster. And what she said is now coming online. The reimbursements, the, the ratcheting down reimbursements hit the low-hanging fruit first. That was the independent doctor. We were first to see the, the, the brunt of it, where it was 20% of bill charge, 30% of bill charge. It's really crazy amounts of a dropping of your um, reimbursement. That's what led to doctors having to use allied healthcare professionals, life physician assistants, nurse practitioners, to expand how many patients they could see a day. That's where that started. It didn't just come out of nowhere. So helping the hospital calculated, and they made their move that the doctors are so unhappy in the independent side, we're going to just annex them, buy their practices, get rid of our competition, take over the market, and we're going to be great. When they got in bed with Obamacare, because in their mindset, if you have insured patients, and this is the same with insurance companies, if the government is going to make a patient buy insurance, our insurance, we are going to have free reign and access to money. Patients would buy our, buy our services because they had to. And we could do whatever we wanted. Make the uh, cost to the patient more, out-of-pocket cost shift the cost to the patient so they would buy the insurance but not really use it because they couldn't afford it. Now we're in the position. We're now in phase two of this thing where we've gotten rid of independent, for the most part, independent competition. Now the government is looking at decreasing reimbursement for hospitals. That's a new one. Usually they've been removed from it. Oh, I took, I missed a step. They got rid of, so they lowered the payment for um, independent or outpatient surgery centers that weren't hospital-based. So they lowered their price and they gave that money to the hospital. So they would get the last thing standing where they would be able to still keep their reimbursements, push, or cl push for the closure of the outpatient surgery centers because they couldn't afford to stay open. And everything was great. Again, you had the funnel going to the hospital system, more money, everything's awesome. Now in a position where the government is cutting back the reimbursements for hospitals. Now we're seeing the rubber hit the road. So what the hospitals are now doing, and now they had these doctor's offices, and their contracts are running around for the next iteration of a contract, they're now re re reducing their reimbursements, removing their ability to actually have autonomy on the patients that they see, so we see call centers where 
a call comes into the hospital. It doesn't come to the doctor's office, or to the doctor. It comes to a call center. That call center feels the call and then decides to accept the patient. This is where, for me, patient care and patient safety come on or come at risk. If you're on call, for your for example, if you're on call and there's an area of emergency, but the person on call is specialized in sinus or some other plastics, for example, and a tracheostomy airway issue comes in, that's not something that they do all the time. And you're not there to tell, you can't tell the call center that's outside of my scope of practice, I, I don't feel comfortable. That's not an option. They've accepted that patient, that patient's on the way to the ER, and you as doctor on call has to see the patient, stabilize the patient. You can't transfer that patient until that patient stabilizes. Well, what if you don't have a facility or you don't do that procedure often? You're stuck, and you're on the hook because of EMTALA. So this is the unintended consequences. It's patient safety, ultimately, that gets devastated in this type of system because it's all about getting them in, getting the volume, getting paid on a hospital level, and everybody else, whatever. So you just need to understand that. That's a problem. Or the hospitalists are being worked like, you know, dogs in the hospitalist system, seeing 50 people at night, being responsible for, you know, all these patients that you don't know but you have to keep stable. This is not the same hospital patient where they're there for a workup, you know. The company set them for you get sick people now. But the only way you get admitted is if you're really unstable and you're really sick. How do you justify one person taking care of 50 overnight when they don't know the patient? <laughs> so, I mean, this is the system that we're living under. It's a disaster. And it's all about the money. And as long as we, as doctors and patients, don't say anything about it, it will continue. Now, when you, I know that Dave, you were at hospital, um, you know, how should I put it? Mm-hmm. In uh, contact right? with the hospital. Yeah. Did you feel safe when you were in there? Did you see your physician routinely, or was it, you know, they just did things to you? Uh... <laughs> They tried to do things to me, and uh, basically I stood up to them and wouldn't let them. Um, I I guess the first one was the one that you and I have talked about many times, is they come in and say, have you had your flu shot? And uh, if not, then we're going to give you a flu shot. And I said, no, you're not. I haven't had it. I'm not going to get it. And then the um, second thing was the, uh, I don't even know what it's called, when when they're... uh, gassing you uh, through the oxygen mask uh, so you'll cough and, and uh, make sure you don't have fluid on your lungs. Um, but that does, doesn't work for me. And so after about the third time, I refused to do it. And they really, you know, the thing that, you, that people don't understand is it's still your body and it's still your right to say no. And... Um, Nobody, I didn't really get any flack when I said no. It shouldn't be that hard, right? It, you're the worst, usually, you know, under the most arrest, the most vulnerable, and you have to defend yourself against all of this constantly. That's, that's to me, draining in itself, to tell yeah, you the truth. I guess, I guess but, there, were, there were some time. I, I don't want to say sometimes, but there were... Uh, you wondered about the competency of that person coming in and taking your blood pressure, your temperature, and, uh, you know, uh, your pulse. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know what level of, of hiring they do in a hospital, but uh, some of it seems to be at, at least questionable. Well, it's definitely a different standard. We have a lot of technicians that actually take care of the patients now as a front line. So you have nursing techs, you have pharmacy techs, and these are not the pharmacists, these are not the nurses, these are aides, a nursing aide. So that's like, you know, a couple levels, um, and I'm going to say below, but more junior than a registered nurse. So there is a difference in who's taking care of you. I don't think that's a question at this point. No. There's no question that you have to be proactive now. You can't be 
everything will work out. I'll just sit back and hope for the best. That's not an option anymore. Not really, no. And, and well, that's exactly what you'd be doing, is hoping. Oh. I'm sorry, say that again? That's exactly what you'd be doing, is hoping for the best. Oh, yes, no question on that one. I mean, I just, this has happened so quickly. So in the last 15 years, this is really what's happened to the healthcare system. And the sad part is it's more expensive to get this. That's the sad part. It's not like you're getting better care, more efficient care. You're getting you know, cheaper care. It's more expensive to, to be in this inefficient system. And they keep telling you that they're, the reason that you know, everything that they're doing is about to make it more efficient. And really it's driving the train in the same direction. But it's just different faces that are, are different entities that are going to be able to make a profit off of it. I mean, that same article, that Market Watch article, talks about what happens in um, price transparent countries. I, I can't remember if it's France or whatever it is, but they have to, before you have surgery, they have a binding estimate. So before you actually have the surgery, you know what the cost is, and it can't be changed after the fact. I mean, imagine that. You kind of know what something is, and you can plan for it. Or at the very least, you know you're not going to have be hit with some balloon charge that once you've had the service, you're really on the hook for. Let's say you could have waited or you could have shopped around, but because they took your choice away, you're now beholden in economically, financially, to a system that's going to make you pay for years. And, and if you know that the cost of whatever they're charging you may be cheaper if you actually pay cash versus using your insurance card, that should really make people, it should give people pause, I would think. I just think that whole system is completely corrupt. And nobody's looking at that as a, as a cause and effect for the, the cost of health care. It's all about everybody needs more insurance versus why is it so expensive? Who is benefiting from this system? And is it fair? To, you know, the big F word. And I'm not about everybody, everybody's the same, everybody needs the same or has the same response to medication, or needs to get the same level of health care. I'm not using that in that sense. But if you walk into a hospital and you have an illness or a condition, you have a right to have that fixed and not be put in the poorhouse for it. Or worse yet, have to self-deny because you're carrying an insurance card that's supposed to be there for catastrophic conditions, but it actually doesn't cover you at all. I think really, only thing that it really covers technically if you really think about it, depending on your plan, is very small ticket items, like just going to a doctor's office, um, and that's pretty much it, maybe getting some lab work done. Everything outside of that is really cost prohibitive now. And they're pushing you down, down a road where you really do deny yourself care because anything bigger than that. And actually now we're now in a position where that article talks about people going for routine care denying themselves. The system is literally broken. And the, 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 the nerve of people who are proponents of the Affordable Care Act to, to demand to make you pay for a system that, that looks like this and works like this is obscene. They, should, they really should be you know, called on, on the carpet or called the task for this. Meanwhile, they're not in the system at all. Even Congress tried to you know, get themselves out of it as a small business. That really just irritates me. <laughs> they don't have any kind of coup at all. They could care less about people. I'm just done with people telling me what, you know, what I should do, what my services should be, how much I should charge. And if I have a question, then somehow I'm a bad person. It is amazing uh, how we've digressed in, you know, and... and it's amazing to me we've digressed and things have gotten worse, and yet we have the technology and we should be able to improve, not go backwards. Yeah, we should. But when you think about the, the fact that the technology is all about profit, you know, the technology is not about delivery of health care. It's about how do you profit off of it? How do you create a niche where you become the only game in town or you have to do this in order to access the system. That's what they've managed to do. You know, the health information technology system or the companies that do it 
aren't adding value to the healthcare system. They're actually adding cost. And they're extremely mercenary. I mean, I've talked about the, the time that I had to switch um, carriers and they wanted to charge $10,000 for my patient base to copy that, put it on a disc so I can, I can access it. That's outrageous. It's technically, I thought, it's my patient data. You're just housing it. Why do I have to pay for my own patient data? You know, but that's what they do. So this is a system that you're held hostage in one way or another as a patient and as a physician. The only way to win this, in my opinion, is not to play the game at all. And it now becomes important to do your own diligence, to pay attention, to ask questions, to demand answers. If someone can't answer a logical question, why are you still sitting in that doctor's office? If they can't ask and answer a question as to why do I need to be on all these medications? I want to streamline. What can we do to get me off of the medications, for example? I mean, I have an answer for you. Then you need to step away from the table. I mean, why do you want somebody to take care of you who, who really doesn't have your back, who doesn't look at, the, at your bottom line? I'm very conscious of my patients' costs, always. And I will give them choices of different options, different cost of each option, and let them make their choice. That's a, that's a partnership. That's how healthcare should be. If you're told, well, we'll just see, you know, or you're going for tests that you may not need or procedures that you may not need, and they don't tell you the cost of anything, you're just becoming a cash cow, and you're driving a system that's working against you. If you're, if you're willing to do that, you know, good luck to you, but you're going to end up spending a lot of money and maybe having bad outcomes that you don't need to have versus somebody who's looking at it with you as a partner. And that's the different mindset I think patients actually need to come to. On that note, let's take a break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. You know, again, I can't emphasize this enough. Anybody listening to this show, I hope, has a good handle, a good foundation on some of the problems in our healthcare system, the real cost drivers and, and strategies for how to work around the system. You know, I have someone very close to me just got admitted to the hospital and was there for three days and ended up with some huge bill, like 40000 for for, I think it was a two-day, maybe three-day tops. But because of the coverage, having Liberty HealthShare, having um, AFLAC, that is not something that's on that, that's not part of the, um, the mindset of what if, you know, the fear of the, of the bill. It doesn't exist for this patient. And that is how you work the system. You can, she can actually go and submit uh, receipts and contact AFLAC and get paid for every day in that hospital for hospitalization, for the procedures that were done. That's you know, it's pretty incredible. $500 total out of pocket and then get AFLAC to pay you for the difference. That's how you do this, okay? It's not hoping and praying for something to happen on the government level. They're working, I can't say it again, they're working against you. It's not, nobody's your advocate up there. Their whole mentality is just, when can, what do I need to get back in for the next election cycle? Who do I need, to, you know, Who's going to come and give me money so for my campaign? They spend all of their time trying to get money for the next round of campaigning. They could care less. You can call your congressperson. I mean, I would. If there's things that I can't stand, I'll call and make a stink. But am I depending on them for my day-to-day, for my livelihood? No. They're not working for us. It's all about taking a step back and examining priorities. I'm my priority. My office is a priority. My, my livelihood is a priority for me. Do I really want to leave that to chance? Do I really want to take, you know, play a roulette and hope for the best? No, I don't. I want to put everything that I can in my corner, line it up in such a way that I have as much control as I possibly can. And whoever has the pocketbook has the power. Do you want that to be your boss? Do you want that to be the insurance company? Do you want that to be the government and Medicare and Medicaid? Or do you want to be the controller of your health care 
cost and your access. And the only way you're going to get that is to be, to be able to know what the cost of something is up front, find somebody who, or a physician or healthcare professional who is working with you, who respects you enough to tell you what the cost of something is, make a treatment plan with you, not just tell you what's going to happen, but actually make a treatment plan with you, what a concept, so you can work your way off medication perhaps, or have a medication one instead of taking three. Do natural courses of treatment if you're open to that. I mean, this is all about not one size fits all. It's about the individual and what works for the individual. I can guarantee you it would be a lot cheaper and it would be a lot more efficient and it would be a lot more effective if everybody was able to do this and have the mindset of doing this. This is not that hard. The government could allow direct primary care practices, Medicare patients and Medicaid patients, to actually have direct primary care doctors. What a concept. So they know what the cost would be per month, paid directly to the, to the uh, doctor's office, that doctor would keep the cost low, see the patient for a fixed amount. All the labs would be covered. Imagine that. You wouldn't have to go to the hospital and get your monthly or your, your quarterly labs for thousands of dollars done for cholesterol, diabetes, hemoglobin A1C. All those chronic diseases could be taken care of by a direct primary care doctor who has a network of specialists, labs, outpatient surgery centers that's a tenth of what the hospital system offers. But do you think the government would actually look at that? No, because they could care less. It's all about the status quo and keeping everything the same while they just are hell-bent and focused on getting as many people to come into that system as possible. It's not making the systems better. It's about getting more people in it and stuck on it and dependent on it so that you can control them. That's my take on it. I'm not sure what yours is, Dave. Well, I think uh, at, I think at this point it's it's pretty obvious that uh, government is trying to run our lives from birth to grave, and uh, you know, and we're we're seeing if people just take a look to the north or across the pond, they see how it works. It doesn't, and no. uh, the only way we're going to survive is if the capitalists stand up. If the individuals stand up first and, and bring capitalists in to make it work, and that's the answer. Yeah, I, think you're, I think you're absolutely right. What's being marketed now as capitalism actually is not. It's gotten a bad name because it's not capitalism. That's where everybody's out there doing their thing and competing against each other. It's not corporate-driven. It's not corporations buying up, controlling the market, and then price-controlling everything. That's not capitalism at all. And the word public-private partnership should just give everybody the chills. Because that means you have the power of the government to work against free market. Look at Amazon, perfect example. They're using a public resource, the, the uh, mail system, the postal system, and they're making everybody else pay more, wait for their packages, <laughs> while they're making profit hand over fist. I can't even understand how that works. And it's not even saving the health. You know, okay, maybe you could have used the argument, if we send our Amazon packages to the postal system, we can save it because it's losing money and it doesn't have enough volume and so on and so That's not what happened. They're not paying the market rate for postage. And now they're talking about raising the rates on everybody else again. But they're having, I felt so bad for the postal folks during the Christmas holiday. They were just put upon all the stuff they had to deliver and the pressure to deliver the prime packages in two days. I mean, it was just crazy. The system is worse because of this. Money is being siphoned out every time an Amazon package is delivered. Who made this system up? How does that work? Can you imagine Amazon running the, the what is it, the Department of Defense is supposed to now access, we use Amazon Cloud for their services. What, what, what planet are you on that you want a private company, that's global, by the way, to run your Department of Defense information through their cloud system? Who thought that up? Suppose it goes down. There's no redundancy. They can jack the price to whatever they want. They can get hacked. What, I mean, you just think of all the things that could happen 
it's such not a good idea. You know, uh, I, I think you're aware of one of the programs that, uh, uh, computer programs that we've used since inception was bought out by IBM, and IBM turned around and has shafted anybody using that program and said, okay, the first hundred people that come into your website, we won't charge for, uh, you know, you get that free. Isn't that nice of us? Now, after that first hundred, anybody that comes in, we charge 50 cents for them coming in. That means... You know, they have an unlimited ability to bill. Uh, it's not that they come in once. It's if you come in every day, well, the company gets billed 50 cents every day. And uh, oh. you could, it's, it's, it's unlimited, you know, and, and yeah. I can't afford that program, obviously. I mean, it, it would be too expensive if you knew how many, but rolling the dice every morning, whether you get... A thousand, two thousand, ten thousand people to your website. That's that's it's, what big corporations will do to small businesses. Exactly. It's not about the little guy anymore. It's about the power of of the corporate driven system. And it's like a template. And the healthcare system is the most recent acquisition of it. But we still have choice and as long as we do, I think we need to exert that. And on that note, we need to close the show. I want to thank everybody for listening. And go to my website, drelenageorge.com. You can find links there. You can also buy the book, Medicine on Big Medicine. And you can go to the Facebook page and get links to anything we talk about. Have a great week. Thank you, Dr. George. You're welcome. Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Liberty Talk FM.